Hi, I'm Mike Levin, and this is Podcast from the Swamp. It's Tuesday, December 7th, 2004. We're working our way through the Developer Works article, Python Development with Eclipse and Amp by Ron Smith. And in this podcast, we will begin setting up our environment. The first step in setting up our environment involves downloading the Eclipse IDE. So let's do that together. We'll go to the www.eclipse.org website, click on Downloads, and that will take us to the Downloads page. Now on that page you'll notice that you can pick many websites to download the Eclipse IDE binary files from. The best idea is to, to pick a site closest to you because uh, due to the laws of physics, uh, the site closest to you will be the quickest site and the most efficient site. So click on the Mirrors Listed by Geography link and that will take you to another page that categorizes the websites that are often called Mirrors that you can download the Eclipse IDE from uh, arranged in order of geographic location. Now you might be wondering, once you find a, a site close to you, whether you should use FTP or HTTP to download your, your file. I went to the Webopedia and uh, the URL for this definition is www.webopedia.com and uh, it gives an explanation about the difference between FTP and HTTP and it says File Transfer Protocol, or FTP, is a protocol used to upload files from a workstation to an FTP server or download files from an FTP server to a workstation. It is the way that files get transferred from one device to another in order for the files to be available on the Internet. When FTP appears in a URL, it means that the user is connecting to a file server and not a web server and that some form of file transfer is going to take place. Most FTP servers require that the user log on to the server in order to transfer the files. In contrast, Hypertext Transfer Protocol, or HTTP, is a protocol used to transfer files from a web server onto a browser in order to view a web page that is on the Internet. Unlike FTP, where entire files are transferred from one device to another and copied into memory, HTTP only transfers the contents of a web page into a browser for viewing. FTP is a two-way system as files are transferred back and forth between the server and workstation. HTTP is a one-way system as files are transported only from the server onto the workstation's browser. When HTTP appears in a URL, it means that the user is connecting to a web server and not a file server. The files are transferred but not downloaded, therefore not copied into the memory of the receiving device. Well, that's close but not exactly a cigar in this example. But what I will say is that the operative words there are uh, FTP gives you some options that HTTP doesn't normally give you like authentication, like logging in, and uh, 
doing binary or text transfers and, and things like that. And if you look around, you'll find that these days it doesn't really make that much difference whether or not you use whether you use FTP or HTTP. So in this case, since I'm in Florida, I'll pick an FTP site uh, listed as the University of Florida. Hey, it's the Gators, the University of Florida mirror site. And I'll click on that and take a look at it, and I'll find that it's giving me a file system. Uh, I see folders here, and it's a little bit confusing. I'm not exactly sure what to do. I see documentation folder. I see various files, and I'm not really sure what to do. So, hey, I'm not going to let that hold me up. What I'll do is I'll try a different mirror. So let's try the next closest thing, the uh, uh, Colorado University, or University of Colorado Denver mirror is also uh, relatively close, and it's an HTTP server. So let's click on that and take a look at that. Well, having done that, we find that looks exactly the same. It's still a little bit confusing, not exactly sure what to do. So we'll try a third uh, mirror. And the next one I chose was eclipse.mirrors.tds.net slash downloads. And that gives me a nice menu. Uh, now you won't necessarily find this with every download site, but in the case of Eclipse, uh, on some of the mirrors, the downloads are categorized uh, according to the build. So that raises the next question, namely, what build to download? And if you click on the uh, build types link, uh, it's eclipse.mirrors.tds.net slash download slash build underscore types.html, and you'll see the, the link on the page. It will explain to you that in the Eclipse project, you have release builds, stable builds, integration builds, nightly builds, and maintenance builds. And basically, a release build is a build that has been declared a, ma a major release by the development team. For example, and I'm reading here from the uh, web page, uh, R1.0 uh, is a release build. And releases are the right builds for people who want a stable, tested release and don't need the latest, greatest features and improvements. Release builds always have an R in the beginning of the name, and non-release builds are named according to the date of the build. For example, 2001-11, uh, is the build from October 27, 2001. The next in the list is a stable build that's an integration build that has been found to be stable enough for most people to use. They are promoted from integration build to stable build by the architecture team after they've been used for a few days and are deemed reasonably stable. The latest stable build is the right build for people who want to stay up to date with what's going on in the latest development stream and who don't mind putting up with a few problems in order to get the latest greatest features and bug fixes. Well, I'll tell you, my experience with open source software is that I don't want to put up with any more um, problems than I have to if I can avoid it. So uh, we're going to go with the release build here. And that release build is 3.0.1 in this case. So in this case for XP 
we'll get uh, the HTTP download just because we had better luck with that before and get the Eclipse um, the Eclipse release build 3.0.1 now the next thing you might ask yourself is what are these MD5 files well MD5 files are verification files that are included with downloads and in a nutshell an MD5 file is used to check the integrity of the file that you've downloaded if you're especially if you're downloading a file from a web server or an FTP server that is unfamiliar to you and you're not sure of the uh, the integrity of the file that you're downloading you might use these MD5 files to make sure that you're getting what you expect it checks the size of the file uh, against what's called a checksum and uh, basically that is a uh, a number that uh, the MD5 executable compares against the checksum number that you've just downloaded to make sure that the file you've downloaded in many respects is what you expect and that way you can assure yourself that it's not a fake that it doesn't contain a virus um, and I guess most importantly uh, the integrity of the file uh, as far as you know the quality of the file and how do you do a checksum well it's really pretty easy it depends on the platform but uh, basically you download the uh, the file whose extension ends in MD5 and you put that in the same directory as the download that you've just uh, gotten representing the uh, the product that you're about to install and then you get the MD5 executable uh, there's a Linux version and a Windows binary version available uh, out there uh, and since I'm using XP we'll use the Windows binary version uh, although I could use the uh, the the Linux version, the GNU Linux version, because uh, we have Sigwin here, which is a, a Linux emulator. So you can really use either one on Windows, depending on on how you want to go. Uh, so eTree.org has a nice MD5 uh, executable, which we'll download. And um, if you look at the uh, the file that I've included with this podcast, you can see what a good checksum run looks like and what a bad checksum run looks like. Basically, what you do is execute the command at the command prompt md5sum-c and then you give the name of the md5sum uh, file. And upon doing that, the md5sum Dot exe will execute. Uh, I put mine in my Windows System32 directory so that I didn't have to change anything on my path and, and you might do that too because it's easier. Uh, so you run the MD5SUM program and you'll get a result basically that says okay. You'll, you'll know it's okay when it's okay. Um, at that point you just uh, double click on the Eclipse executable to uh, 
whoops, let me back up here a little bit uh, because I just remembered how, how we did that. The, the, um, the file that you download from Eclipse is a zip file, so you double click on the, the zip file and that is assuming that you have an unzip utility installed. I use WinZip, which you can find easily on the web. Uh, twocows.com, T-U-C-O-W-S.com is a great place to download utilities like WinZip. So you double click on the zip file and what I like to do is extract the contents of the Eclipse uh, zip file onto my root directory. Now some people partition their their hard drive into three partitions and I have great respect for people who do that. Uh, these people uh, are very disciplined and very smart and uh, they'll they'll partition their hard drive into three partitions, one for data, one for the system or the operating system, and one for programs. And they'll put all their programs in the program partition and that way if they have operating system problems they can just switch out the operating system uh, if they want to back up all the programs so that they can wipe their hard drive clean at one point or another they can do that using a utility like Norton Ghost and uh, and then they keep their data separately so they can do their incremental backups uh, from that data partition I think that's a great idea one of these days I'll do that So just double click on the zip file to extract your um, Eclipse IDE and uh, you may need a zip executable to do that. I always go to twocows, T-U-C-O-W-S dot com to download the zip program and I use WinZip. I like to uh, extract the zip file to the root directory, in this case the C directory. Uh, or the the the, the C um, the C partition. Some folks some folks partition their drive into three partitions: one for the system, the operating system; one for data, and one for programs. And I have great respect for these people because they're very disciplined, and uh, this makes a lot of sense. By doing these three partitions, you have your operating system in one place, you have your data in another place and you have your programs in a third place all isolated from each other. So what you can do is you can swap out your operating system if that ever becomes corrupt. You can back up your programs using a, util a utility like Norton Ghost and uh, be able to restore all your programs in one fell swoop if you want. And you've got your data all in one place so that you can do incremental backups. And I do a variety of that which was taught to me by a mentor that I had years ago named Frank uh, Graves and Frank said always create a work directory wherever you go and that way you'll always know where files are that that, that way you'll always know where your work is and uh, you won't lose things so that's how I do it one of these days I'll become disciplined and, and make three partitions like uh, some of the, the folks I work with do. But in the meantime, uh, let's just extract this to the, the root directory. So double click 
on the zip file, open it up, and extract all files. What that will do is create an Eclipse folder and put all the files in the Eclipse folder and um, you were nearly done. Now that we've done that, before we go any further, look for a README file. And uh, that's always a good thing to do when you're installing software. The first thing you should look at before you look at anything else is a README file. In fact, uh, after many, many years of working uh, with computers and software, I tried to install a piece of software a couple of days ago called the uh, requirements uh, use case tool that I downloaded from the NASA website. Um, I put the uh, zip file in my downloads directory like I always do and that's another good habit to get into when you download uh, things. If you put all your downloads in a downloads directory and back that up from time to time you'll have a, uh, uh, a, a cache or a store of all your your tools that you can save onto a, uh, a CD or a DVD for use later. Well I did that and I unzipped everything as uh, the instructions said into a temp directory and then I moved the folders into a directory called RUT for the requirements use case tool. Well I neglected to move the readme file and because of that I had no idea how to use this tool and I wound up uh, looking at it for a good long while trying to figure out what to do with the uh, the PHP files and uh, and so forth until I finally just started over again started fresh and realized that there was a readme file that I had overlooked that explained everything so in this case we have a readme underscore eclipse dot html file and I made a screen print of that for those of you who are able to look at the associated uh, file that I've included with this podcast. But if you can't, just take a look at that readme.eclipse file. That has some project notes in it and basically tells you how to get started. You'll find that you have a couple of icons in the Eclipse directory, or a couple of files. One is Eclipse, and it has the little Eclipse uh, logo on it. The other is a jar file. You can start Eclipse up either way, but if you show file types, um, and in my case, uh, on my XP installation, I had to go into the folder options and switch on the uh, the show file types or the file extensions option, so I could see the file extensions and realize that the Eclipse file was actually an executable or a .exe that's the one that you can click on or you can use the jar file uh, from the command prompt and uh, and start up the uh, the program when you start up the program what you'll see is a welcome screen and the long and short of it is the welcome screen gives you options to go to uh, the tutorial section or the what's new section uh, but basically in the upper right you'll see an icon that looks like an arrow pointing ahead if you click on that after you've hovered over it with your cursor you see that it, it says go to workbench if you click on that that will take you to 
the workbench which is your starting point for Eclipse and voila we are ready to begin working with Eclipse the next steps in this podcast will be to download the plugins for Eclipse including PyDev and Ant we'll find that CVS is included and uh, we'll also need to download the files from the DeveloperWorks website that represent the RSS feed that represent the RSS input file I mean to say and finally you can find the notes to this uh, podcast at www.mikelevin.net just search for podcast from the swamp uh, PyDev